Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in WIP Daily for a June 12th. Joe Giglio with you. Appreciate everyone listens and follows the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Of course, our video feed as well, 94 WIP, the YouTube page. Um, good weekend for the Phils. Uh, we'll talk a lot, of, a lot about that on WIP next few days, and including on the midday show today. But today I want to dive into options for the Sixers if James Harden does leave, um, which I think is is kind of the welcome feeling. Everyone's here is like, yeah, go get you know, go get this guy or get that guy and, you know, move on from James Harden. Anyone but James Harden is kind of the the feeling out there right now for everyone around Philadelphia. Okay, well, let, let's go off. There. Let's say it's anyone but James Harden. Well, what does that mean? Like, who are they actually going to play a point guard next year if it's not James Harden? So I, I have a list here. I have my five options to replace James Harden if he does walk away. Latest reports is he's torn between Philadelphia and and Houston, and and I know it's not going to be a tear shed, at a single tear shed in Philadelphia, if James Harden walks out there. But but here's kind of what we're looking at here. So here are my five top options to replace James Harden. Some are through trade, some are through free agency. But if he does walk away, how they could do it? Number one, and and the clear number one option, without a question, for me is to sign or orchestrate a sign-and-trade for Fred VanVleet, the former point guard of the Toronto Raptors. And this is a twofold thing. One, I've always liked the way Fred VanVleet plays. I've always liked the way he plays in big games. I like the way he played the playoffs when the Raptors won the championship. And it is installing and bringing over Nick Nurse's scheme and offense and philosophy. He could use him as an example in games. This is a guy whose assist numbers have gone up from 6.3 to 6.7 to 7.2 in the last three years. He is a very capable NBA point guard. He's averaged about 20 points per game over the last three years as he became an unquestioned starter. You know, about four years ago, 2019-20, he started playing 35-plus minutes per game. And in that span, he's averaged 19.3 points and 6.7 assists per game. He's without question a good, solid NBA point guard. And, and I can't get past the the Nick Nurse factor here. I mean, this is like when you when a new coach comes in, he brings his guys in to help implement his system. And, and there's been this very kind of strange thought out there that, number one, Nick Nurse is not a good development coach. If you learn anything about Nick Nurse, his, his time in Europe, his time in the G League, he's a development guy at, at first. And the other thing is, when Nick Nurse first got that job at Toronto, he got it on the the base of his offense more than his defense. He was their offensive coordinator when they had Dwayne Casey as the coach. So I, I don't doubt Nick Nurse can coach offense. I don't doubt Nick Nurse can implement a system here in Philadelphia. And I think a guy like like Fred Van Vliet would go a long way to doing that. Plus, he's used to playing his scheme, his defense, his aggressive style, extra minutes. Like This is a guy that would be able to come in here and very seamlessly be an extension of Nick Nurse on the court. I think he is clearly the number one option. He is a guy that, you know, kind of, I, I think, fits the bill of someone who Philadelphia could really, could really get behind. I mean, this is a guy that, that really kind of grinded his way into becoming a good player in the NBA. I mean, Fred Van Vliet was not, you know, your top prospect coming out of college. He was not a guy that everyone thought was going to be a superstar. I mean, he had to kind of work his way up to being the guy he became and getting minutes and getting the ability to get on the floor. He's from Wichita State. He's a four-year college player 
at Wichita State. I mean, that that's not, you know, he was in the G League for a while. I mean, this is what the kind of player that I think, you know, really people in Philadelphia would love to watch play. And I would too. I, I like him a lot. I think he's a good player. And I think he's got more good basketball in him at the age of 29. Um, age 29 season coming up here. Right now he's, yeah, he's just turned 29 in February. So his age 29 season coming up. Good free throw shooter. Career solid three-point shooter. Um, and he could do it. He could do it. You got, he, he's a winning player. I'll put it that way. He's a winning player. That's number one. Number two. And this one might be risky, but I like it better than all the other options. At number two, I'm going to hand the reins to Tyrese Maxey and ask him to go. I think it's easier to find a capable NBA shooting guard, off-ball screens, three-point shooter, three and D, you know, kind of like what J.J. Redick was here for a few years, um, than it is to find a floor general point guard that could create and get his own shot and, and do everything you need to be a point guard in the NBA. I think it's easier, kind of a stopgap, to find a shooting guard than it would, or to trade Tobias Harris for a shooting guard, you know, to kind of make the team whole, than it would be to find a point guard that I really like at free agency. So I, I look at it and I think there's a real chance that the best option for the Sixers at point guard is just hand the ball to Tyrese Maxey to say, all right, you know, here's what we need from you. Here's what we can you, you can do and kind of grow into the role. Has, has Tyrese been a great distributor of the basketball? He's not. He's not, but th- so far that hasn't been his role. It's been like, it's your time. You get the ball, you get buckets because you don't have the ball in your hand that often. It's more of the balls in James Harden's hand or the balls in Joel Embiid's hand. So I think if Maxie's allowed to grow into the role, I think he could. I go back to Jamal Murray. Their stats first couple years in the NBA are pretty similar. Murray's obviously emerged into a tremendous player, triple-double in the NBA Finals, uh, about on the verge of helping the Nuggets win a championship. Murray wasn't a natural point guard when he came in the NBA. He kind of evolved into that as he's grown into the game. So I think there's an upside to Maxi that's there. We know how good of a shooter he's become. And I, I just like betting on people that get better and better and better. It's kind of the Jalen Hurst thing. This guy gets better and better and better. Trust him. So hand the reins over. New offense, new coach. See what Maxi can do. And as I scroll through the list here of potential shooting guards that are available in free agency, uh, Dante DiVincenzo would be an interesting name. I mean, the guy shot you know, 39.7% for three-point range. Uh, I look at Gary Trent, who really could do it off the dribble, could shoot from Toronto. He's a player option, obviously a, a Nick Nurse guy. Uh, Karis LeVert is an interesting kind of shooting guard off, you know, a potential option here. I mean, there's guys out there that could play the position. You could bring Seth Curry back, three-point specialist, and we know that when we had him here before. So I think there's players out there that have some ability to play the position as an off-guard, and then you kind of hand the reins over a little bit more to Tyrese Maxey as a point guard. So I think there's something there to giving the reins to Tyrese Maxey. All right, my third option, if it is a, you know, if Harden leaves, if he goes to Houston or wherever he goes, and they have to replace his point guard position, number one is Fred Van Vliet by a mile. Number two is handed over to Maxey. Number three is a name that popped up. Actually, Hugh Douglas on the Midday Show brought him up um, a couple weeks ago. It's the Deontay Murray uh, from the Atlanta Hawks, traded about a year ago from the Spurs to the Hawks. And, you know, he's a good player. I think his numbers are a little bit inflated. I don't know how much of a championship player Deontay Murray is, but I, I do look at him as a guy that is so young, 25 years old, can grow into a new system. 
I think he's kind of been in tough situations, like trying to play with Trey Young, tough situation. Playing on a rebuilding Spurs team is a tough situation. Here he'd play with the MVP of the league. He could be a little bit more of a distributor here. Could score, though, when they need him. It's almost like, um, you know, I, I look at Murray as a kind of a player that, you know, Maxi could become. Like, I'm looking at his numbers right now. Like, right now, like 20 and a half points. Maxi's already there. Uh, 6.1 assists per game. You know, the turnover number is about 2.2. You know, I, I think there's something to Murray at this age, 26. Just just had his age 26. Season. So we go and climb him into his prime here. Uh, I like that his free throw percentage went up to over 80%. You know, he's a guy in his career who has not been a great three-point shooter, but at times has been better. I mean, last year he jumped from, you know, he was at 32%, 31 the year before that. Last year, 34. If he can get to 37, you have something there. And I, and I think he could almost be had for cheap because, you know, the Hawks might have to break up that backcourt. They don't want to pay him. All these teams that are really worried about the salary cap and not going over the apron. So you might be able to get a good player for maybe pennies in the dollar. I mean, I'm not sure if they would take Tobias. I'm not sure how the, the money would have to work out. But if you could somehow land a Murray from Atlanta to kind of hold down the fort, and it gives you options because I look at him as a, as a tradable contract. So it, it could almost be like, hey, the Hawks tried it for a year. Didn't really work out with, with, with Trey Young. But the Sixers could try it for a year. He's younger. If he takes another step forward, great. If he doesn't, you can always trade him away. So Van Vliet one, Maxi two, Murray three. All right, let's go to my number four or number five. And I'm admittedly going to tell you I don't like my number four. It's it's my number four. I don't really like it because I just see so much downside. But also there is upside that I obviously can't ignore. So my number four is Kyrie Irving and swinging some sort of sign and trade with with Harden and getting Kyrie Irving here. And look, or, or it could be, you know, it could be Tobias Harris. I don't really care how they do it. But... Kyrie Irving, when he's on the court, when he's engaged, is one of the great finishers of the basket in NBA history. He is one of the smoothest and easiest scorers in NBA history. I mean, Kyrie Irving is a star. I mean, he's a career, a career average of 23.4 points a game. Over his last, I mean, you go back now four seasons, 2019-20 to this, uh, three seasons, to this past season, okay? We're talking about it's actually four seasons, right? We're talking about 27.1 points per game in that span. And he has 5.8 assists, too, and five rebounds. Like, he's 27.55 over the course of four years with a free throw percentage over 90, with a three-point percentage almost 40. I mean, this guy is this close to over the last four years averaging a 50-40-90 for, for four straight years. I mean, that that is an incredible machine of an offensive player in a, in a small body. I mean, he's gifted. He is a special athlete, special player, special finisher, but there's also all the other stuff that drives you up a wall. I mean, the guy's just not engaged. I, I think he is terrible for locker rooms. I think he is terrible for the morale of a team. He puts himself first. He's a me guy. The only time he ever won anything is when he had LeBron James with him. And I just think he is often more of a loser than a winner. And that and that's a guy that's hit one of the biggest shots in NBA Finals history, what he did in 2016 to help the Cavs, the pass from LeBron, to go and, and win a championship over the Warriors. But it's very hard to trust him. Like, if he showed up at the door and the Sixers had no other options, and it was like, hey, you want him? Yeah, I mean, who says no? Because the upside 
to the scoring machine and efficient scoring machine that he and Joel Embiid could be together is is incredible. And we're talking about 60 points per game without without breaking a sweat from the two of them on efficient shooting. We're not talking about like bad shooting or just jacking it up. We're talking about very efficient scoring. But we know what we did in Boston. We know we you know we know his career in Cleveland without LeBron was terrible. We know about Boston, the Nets. He went to the Mavericks. They got worse with with Luca. I mean, there's something about him that unless it's LeBron James dragging him to winning. He just screams loser energy, which maybe fits in, unfortunately, with the Sixers. Um, but there's also going to be the times where he just disappears. I mean, literally or figuratively disappears within seasons. He doesn't play full years. I mean, you get 60 out of him, you're fine. I mean, you're you're happy because you, you hope you don't get only 50 out of him, whether it's be injuries or, or it's just he's literally checked out. So al- although there are so many reasons to love Kyrie Irving, the player, there are so many reasons why I really don't want to do this. He's number four on my list. And number five is a really kind of vanilla stopgap one year. You know, Corey Joseph has been a good NBA, solid NBA player for a while. And I think he's an interesting name here. I mean, again, another guy who has some some Raptors in him. You know, you go back and he was in Toronto back in 2015, 2016. Nick Nurse was an assistant coach there, so he knows him well. Um, you know, he plays played on, let's see, San Antonio, Toronto, Indiana, Sacramento, Detroit. He's bounced around. It's going to be 32 next year. I look at him as a stopgap guy that could get you through a year. I mean, I don't. I always look at it as Corey Joseph almost could be a combination factor with the Tyrese Maxey. It almost goes with the Maxey one. Like if Maxey becomes your point guard, you bringing Corey Joseph to give you 20 minutes as the point guard some nights or 30 minutes some nights. So Maxey maybe get a breather. Or if Maxie's not handling it well, it's not a complete disaster, you could put Corey Joseph in there. I mean, really, he's insert your veteran point guard on a one- or two-year deal that will keep the six or salary cap compliant because we don't have that much room. So I, I think, you know, like, money-wise, right? We're talking about Murray in a trade, Kyrie in a sign trade, Van Vliet, if they could pull it off. But the, the subject keeps coming up. Well, what, Joe, what do the Sixers do if, if Harden walks? They literally don't have any money. Like Corey Joseph is someone that could fit under the salary cap. I, I, he is to me three and D veteran leader. Nick Nurse, you know, connection back in the day in Toronto. He's a guy that could be the best of both worlds. That he could kind of keep your salary cap compliant for the year. It's almost like this pause year, but you stay competitive. He'll give you good minutes on the floor when he's out there. He'll help Tyrese Maxey along. He'll you know be a lesser version of Van Vliet implementing what Nick Nurse does and the system and the culture and the values. I think there's something to Corey Joseph, and he's played under Pop, and he's played under, you know, Van Vliet. Excuse me, played under Nick Nurse. Like, there's a lot about him that I do like. I mean, you go back. He also played. I think I'm trying to think back to who coached that Indiana team back in the, like 2017, 2018. Um, yeah, it was Nate McMillan. I mean, he's played under good coaches. I'm talking about Nate McMillan. We're talking about Greg Popovich. We're talking about Nick Nurse, Dwayne Casey. We're talking about some good coaches that he has played under here in the NBA. So I, I think there's something to Corey Joseph as a possible stopgap at the point guard position. Van Vliet, Kyrie, hand it over to Maxi, Murray, Joseph. There are your options if the Sixers do allow or watch James Harden walk away. Appreciate everyone. Listen to WIP Daily. Subscribe. Get the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, follow the video feed at 94 WIP on YouTube. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon right here on 94 WIP's WIP Daily Podcast.